0: Good evening, everyone. To give this talk a title and a slightly playful one, um, it's a a guide for travellers along the the domestic way. Um, A lot of Buddhist literature is really just coming out of a monastic tradition and in Zen, nearly all of the literature um, is a monastic tradition. The Ordinary Mind Zen School, like internationally as well as here, is obviously not a monastic practice. It's a lay practice. And myself and my fellow teachers in the Ordinary Mind Zen School and many, many um, Zen teachers in the the US um, don't consider lay practice to be a second best. Um, There's monastic practice, there's lay practice. you could say there's positives and negatives to both of them in terms of how the experience, the very different experiences, can guide you along the way. Um, but uh, I, I want to address some things which are peculiar to um, family life, do you know, or um, living in a in the kind of world that most of us live in, not a monastic world. And um, I'll just read you something briefly because it will be a little bit more succinct from something i wrote a a few years ago and then we'll go into the the details of it a little bit more Um, but this um this is titled the practice of non-attachment in family life Uh, i'll go into the different transitional phases um, first but as we outline these various transitional phases in the life of a couple we can see that at each point, they can potentially be a point of stuckness or a deepening of emotional maturity or spiritual maturity for that matter. Difficulties set in when partners have fixated views of how a relationship should be or how their partner should be. One of the most toxic emotions that human beings experience is resentment. If we cling to fixated views, then resentment arises and accumulates in our memories with each passing incident of vexation until it destroys any possibility of real intimacy in a relationship. It goes without saying that without present moment experience there can be no intimacy and resentment is living in the past or projecting the past onto the present moment in a dark way. Each transitional phase in the family life cycle requires the act of letting go in order to let something else emerge. Often these fixated views are born out of our formative years in our own family of origin. In Buddhist terms, it's a kind of family karma that gets passed down through the generations. We can assume that the way we were brought up and the way our family expressed their emotions and the values and rules that they followed are right. The problem is that our partner has the same experience of rightness. A successful relationship requires each partner to let go of his or her assumed rightness to allow a new creative relationship to emerge. Dualistic thinking is a term used in Buddhism that describes how we divide our experience of life into rigid black-and-white categories of good and bad, better and worse, right and wrong. Dualistic thinking creates dualistic relationships. One partner becomes stuck in the role of the leader and the other as the follower. One is the initiator of intimacy and the other the recipient. One the first to apologise the other never to apologize. In loving functional relationships, there is very little rigidity in roles. They become fluid and interchangeable, allowing both partners to blossom into fulfilling their potentials as individuals. In dualistic relationships, arguing becomes the main currency of emotional connection to fill the void. In non-dual relationships, love, and goodwill become the main currency of connection. Dualistic relationships are based on the principle of this or that. Non-dual relationships are based on the principle of this and that. But the transformation won't come about by just changing the words in our heads. Non-dualism is something that we need to understand in our flesh and in our bones. So how do we bring the, the, the Buddhist teaching of impermanence and not attaching to fixated views. How do we get that to actually apply to a lay life, to a domestic life? Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you're a monk or a nun, you kind of resolve it by being celibate and not being married and not having any worldly possessions. Right? Um, but even that has its traps you know, because you, you let go of all of that and then you attach to your status of being a monk. Right? So you get rid of something, you get something yeah. else. It's not as simple as just giving something up. So in our lay life, what, what is it to become truly non-attached in the way that we live our, our family lives? So can to just briefly take you through what's referred to as the family life cycle in family therapy? Um, a couple come together they go through that um, falling in love stage and they want to do everything together and there's this, this sense of being united and special to one another. And there are a lot of other things in their life fall away, friendships, interests, so that they they merge into one identity, right? So that's, that's the beginning of it. There's a fancy word for it, it's called limerence, which is the, the falling in love experience. And then after months or maybe years, it might take, There's a natural inclination to want to keep the bond but to also go back to being an individual again right and maybe having different interests to what your partner has and so at some point one or both people will want to start to pull away from that sort of living together and being one unity into actually being an individual again you know and 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 differentiating right having different views, different friends, different interests, but wanting to hold the relationship at the same time. That's the first, that's the first test of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you have a fixed view, and believe me, people do, that they expect that falling in love limerence to last forever, and as soon as their partner wants to drift into individuating, then they're threatened and try to control and hold on well, that's, that's kind of delusional, that's a fixed delusional way of being in the world that creates suffering for you and your partner, right? And it's, and it's um, not recognising the impermanence of how everything changes. So that can be a stuck point in a relationship or it can be a point through which people grow into being able to maintain both their individuality and their intimacy and, and integrate the two. Then the next big step that comes in, not for everyone but um having a child or children and so suddenly two becomes three or four or five and then instead of the couple being able to spend all of their time together this other being that needs their attention 24 hours a day right and so there's a shift away from the focus on just the intimacy of the couple relationship onto this child and that's often a struggle that's another another crucial point in the cycle where people get stuck there um I'll give you both versions male and female it's often you'll see men becoming resentful that their partner's love is going to the child and away from them, and there's less intimacy that's a problem sometimes mothers get over anxious and over involved in their children you know and, and uh and that's not healthy either. And can, and then the, the strength in the relationship gets challenged. So it's a matter about being able to negotiate that aspect of a relationship too at that stage, do you know, when children come along. Now to fast forward into adolescence, when children naturally at that age of development are trying to work out their own identity and, and rebelling against their parents as they should, Mm-hmm. So that they learn their own values and so on. Um, as that happens, that that puts a lot of challenges on parents. You know, in terms of being a, a parenting team. You know, and if parents aren't backing each other up and very solid, then adolescence, as they are, go back to your own adolescence. Um, will find a way to get between them so that they get what they, they want right, and create division. So it's a very important time, another transitional time, where parents re- need to be really backing one another and solid with uh, with one another. And then after that, if you've done a good job as a parent and your children leave home, which you've trained them to do, um, then comes the what's known in the, you know, pop psychology, the emptiness syndrome. So these beings that you've poured all this love into and you've trained them to be independent, do what they're supposed to do. And they leave and they form other relationships. And that's a very important transitional point again. Again, it's the impermanence of life. That's what's supposed to happen. But if we get stuck there, you know, if we don't have fulfilling lives in our lives, doing other things other than being parents, then we'll, we'll hold on. And then it won't be good for the children and it won't be good for you because they naturally need to pull away. So again, it's a letting go. If we mature into it, we let go into that in, impermanence. And if we get stuck, we, we hold on and everyone suffers. Then to fast forward again into um, retirement, um, particularly in our culture where our identity is so, um, uh, so fixated around our work and our career. Um, well, I haven't actually got to this point yet, so I can't talk from experience, but I'm sure I'll, I'll go through some difficulty when I do, is that um, when you retire, you no longer have the identity of being a psychologist or a doctor or a teacher or... a nurse, you know, or head of a corporation or whatever it might be. And for a lot of people, because they're so attached to their identity, that they suffer greatly. And a lot of depression kicks in for a lot of people after they retire. And I think that's at the core of it. Um, Because they they don't know, they've attached so strongly to an identity that the loss is so great once they've retired. so that requires another transition. And then the final transition which Buddhists eventually get to is death. Right? Buddhists have got a lot to say about birth and death as transitional points in the family life cycle. But because it's a monastic practice, they haven't got really much to say about what goes on in between. But if you come back to Buddhism, Buddhism's got Buddhism's got a lot to say about death. You know, and if you've been in a family or or a marriage or a committed relationship then if your partner goes before you then, then that's another transition of impermanence in life and another place again finally um, which can, where we can get stuck and suffer or it's something that we um, have prepared ourselves for through life, through Dharma practice or through just general um, maturing through life um, that we may experience the loss very deeply, and yet we, we, we hold that loss lightly, you know, and it doesn't necessarily stop us from functioning because we've accepted that that is just the process of life moving on in some way. And uh, so if you've, if you've, if you've practised and matured in practice over a lifetime... Yes, there would be sadness that would come with that, just like the Buddha was sad when his old friends died before him. And yet at the same time, there is a loving equanimity in that experience as well. It's not a bitter experience. And then, some point in the future, birth happens again and we go through the, the larger life cycle. But anyway, I thought it was important to to talk about that because it's not something that's usually talked about within Zen training. It's relationships and family life somehow are put over there. And I think it's very important that the lives that we live as lay people, that all of that um, needs to be brought into the circle, inside the circle, inside the tent that we call Dharma practice because it is our everyday life. And if we don't apply our Zen practice to it, then um, it's not it's not real.